Good morning, good afternoon, however that applies in your situation. This morning, uh, the Dharma talk is titled, what is the title? Kinds of different kinds of love. I'm just going to use that word love. Everyone uses it all the time about everything over and over and over again. Use that. So there is a, we all know the obvious, I love this, I love that. Uh, I certainly don't love that. I love her, but I don't love him. On and on, there's all kinds of uh, expression there of love, L-O-V-E, amour, uh, and all the other. And Mandarin would be, oh, I need, I love you. I think I got that right. Did I do okay, Joyce? <laughs> and you don't really say that to Asian uh, casually. That's not used casually because it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> for different cultures. And the, the word in that, to go a little further, the word that we've learned is if you compliment, in that uh, various cultures, if you compliment someone, uh, they will say, uh, oh, Nali, 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 I'm not. Isn't that it? Is that right? Joyce, is that right? <laughs> I'm sorry, my mind slipped. Oh, okay, well, but we're, we're on the same frequency then, thank you. You slept, I slept, I'll continue with the talk. So the idea here is to talk. Uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit. We can also do some conversational, a little bit. I don't do too much conversation, but some questions around that. I'm going to do it very simply. Love, we love this, we love that very simply. Children love their toys, uh, different kinds of love, uh, as they say, mother's love, or love for one's uh, nation, love for one's family kinds of love and it tends to go uh, as it goes more deeply or more extensively or in a, an open and more less confined and specified way it becomes there's less and less and less demand on any response like well I love you too I love you well do you love me so kind of a transactional situation that uh, here again it's situation some situations need that kind of of a uh, Tit for tat kind of situation or, or, or response. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you too. And I highly recommend it. And the love that where there's some kind of attachment, uh, maybe we don't even know it until what we love, maybe a person starts to go another direction. Then we start to feel, uh, oh, we're going to lose something. So it's, it has a relative. Um, possessive or territorial that's uh, earlier times uh, men were pretty much ran everything they still do to some extent but uh, men would own their partners their wives more or less they still do in some cultures so the idea here as uh, the way i say this often is not to be someone else or change or don't do this or don't do that even though i use that word i say uh, don't add i know you can't help but add your commentary on every damn thing that shows up in your mind stream even if, so, if it's only to say i don't really have any commentary which is also a commentary and it is a, a sly sneaky way of uh, ego getting a credential for being included in the spiritual path called spiritual materialism. 
can't get rid of it. You have to see it. If you see it, it might still be there for the next 30 years, but by seeing it, by being aware of it, you disempower the, the, the uh, energy that it has to block your view of what is actually hurt, occurring in any given situation. I don't believe anything I'm saying about it. You consider it. And so the word love is used lots of different ways. The great uh, I think Armenian painter, Arshil Gorky, when he had all kinds of terrible things happen in, happening in his life in 1948. Amazing, uh, considered a New York school painter or a pre-abstract expressionist painter, uh, said that when he hung himself in his barn, I think it was in Vermont or Connecticut, said, uh, wrote on a, something on the crate that he stood on when he hung himself. Uh, Goodbye, my loveds. Loveds. Uh, if you go into a dictionary, you can't find that word. It just takes you back to the word love. But it was his own way of saying goodbye. Goodbye, my loveds. And then as uh, for those of you golfers out there, you know that's not such a good word. When something is love, that means a, a zero. <laughs> if you have numbers and someone else has love on the other end of the court, that means they lost. So at least some compensation, at least you got the word. And I don't mean to be silly about it, but I, I do mean to say that the way that word is used is really extensive. And quite often, even though two people are using the same word back and forth, what they mean might be a little, what they intend might be a little, what they hope the other person receives might be a little different than what was intended. So the other way, the other aspect of this, as we, uh, in terms of spiritual path, in terms of something like uh, compassion or karuna is, a, I think, the Sanskrit word for a transcend, transcendent kind of of uh, deep caring, I would say appreciation for the apparent otherness that shows up as the world, our sangha, our community, spiritual or otherwise, our family, some kind of deep caring. But then the, what tends to show up when this arises, and it's not, it has an emotional dimension to it, and sometimes that is very deep. And sometimes not. Sometimes it could even run more on, a, on somewhat of an intellectual track, depending, depending on the person. So going from all kinds of attachment, the, 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 the child you know, demanding, which we have a good example here. Uh, Rumi has great compassion for himself, <laughs> but he's two and a half. So but he has to start somewhere. But he's very, very demanding about stuff we've all noticed. Uh, I think his, his parents haven't noticed so much, but the rest of us have. <laughs> so that, that kind of demand for something, 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 somewhere. We need that. I've got to have that. I need that. I need my truck. I need my toy truck. Don't take that away from me. It's, a, it's an odd kind of thing that arises when someone is very, someone is very young, that, that craving or intense grasping at otherness, some kind of otherness. Uh, different for everyone. Some, some of you, if you have children, will notice that if you have several children, uh, you get the experience of looking daily at someone who's very, very young, seem to have different kind of uh, 
a lot of contrast between the way one very young individual works with grasping or rejecting or shutting down and others. Dependently risen, it has no source just because someone is born. That's uh, from the from the expansive, from the ultimate point of view, which is no point of view, hardly even, it's hardly even an occurrence. That's something we impute to it when you were born, your birthday, happy birthday. Thank you, happy birthday to you. Tony Kench, uh, then uh, we, the, 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 the kind of grasping that has a sexual uh, dimension to it is intensified by that. And everyone's experience of that and feeling of that and how that works for each person is not only different for them, but it's different for everyone they happen to come in contact with or have a, have a relationship with that uh, grasping or desire for some kind of uh, satisfaction. This is also true on the spiritual path, a great profound intention to clarify one's mind, the love of knowledge, the love of Vasubandhu, studying the, 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 fun, the fundamental structure, conceptual stu structure underlying the discovery of the Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha. This was a discovery, he understood it, he began to teach, and down through the centuries, various other lineage holders and teachers have looked at what he said, understood it through their own mind stream, understood deeply what that grasping or that compassion or that desire for a realization, how that showed up for them. <clears throat> and that realization uh, that is desired and that desiring for that realization are not only are they not separate, they are, it is not an emotion necessarily. And the other thing that you may not understand, but you may understand eventually is, is that does not belong to anyone. There's no ownership in those, really isn't any owner, ownership in the fundamental grasping of a two-year-old. There's no ownership there. It's not just not been realized yet. The separation is imputed. The culture puts upon people, don't do this, don't do that, don't touch that. Mind your mother. Those kind of things, those kind of social, cultural structures can be helpful, but they're really only fundamentally helpful if there's a great understanding that there isn't any otherness. If you don't do this, if you don't understand this, you'll continue not only to blame and to credit, but to believe that your, your blaming is correct and your crediting is correct. Whereas one, one who sees what this is may still blame because dependent origination cannot be gotten rid of. It needs to be seen. It needs to be seen. You need to see it. Do I, well, I'm not saying you need to. Do whatever you want. I'm not trying to take over your intention in your life. So... So, so tarpa, that's the other kind of soul. So a deeper, uh, more spiritual form of love or compassion or deep uh, appreciation or caring has less uh, emotional dynamic in one sense, but then in another sense, it can be overwhelmingly emotional so that you can't even stand up. 
I'm not kidding you. Nor am I exaggerating. But it's not particularly your experience. And then to go a little further with uh, a little bit more conventional understanding, in a sense, is that complete, thorough uh, love or appreciation for other, uh, even if it's a personal relationship between you and your your mate, your spouse, uh, has no has no demand, no demand for a response. It's just uh, appreciation. And what you are doing is you're giving your attention to that that you love, cherish, appreciate, care about. This doesn't mean getting rid of your negative feelings, shoving them aside. So you're this, this kind of pure angelic being who really is looking more for a credential of being a, a good, kind, loving, saint-like person rather than actually functioning that way. If you function that way, you might have a hell of a heavy load on your shoulders of negativity. And that negativity doesn't belong to anybody, but it sure seems like it does. And that's the difficulty, that's the challenge. As long as we're embodied in this form, uh, there are so many things coming from that sourceless source you cannot find that you don't know what's going to happen next. You have no idea. Of the three kinds of pain that the Buddha talked about, the pain of pain, the pain of alternation, the pain of the composite, the pain of alternation, it's difficult because it, things are okay right now, but what if they what if they go bad tomorrow? What if something, I'm okay here, but something else is coming. I'm feeling something around the corner. I'm just, uh, or some little things are happening that really don't add up to much, but there's some kind of threat underlying that. There were, what if that, what if this, what if this, what if that happens? We all know about that. Sitting practice of meditation, as I presented or suggested you do it, will not get rid of that. It may magnet, magnify that so that your experience of your mind stream may become more and more intense. You have some control. You don't have a lot, but you have some. And the control that you have is the body. Sit down, pull still, pull still, pull still, and, whatever, and watch what continues to move in your mind stream or toward you. Don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away. Get to know yourself. When I say yourself, not just uh, this little me who has a PhD, that rhymes. That was intentional. <laughs> Shoka. Shoka Vine, do we have to relate to or experience the relative love in order to see what the fundamental love is? I think it's probably inevitable for that to happen. And different with each person. One person's explanation of love, if they have one, might seem kind of odd to you. I don't know if there's some kind of requirement, but what you're doing as a monk is you are actually using everything. You're using your body, speech, mind, everything you can get a hold of based on the teachings to dedicate your life to others. And how, and how does that feel? Not so good. If it feels good, you're probably not doing it. You're probably humming yourself to sleep. You listening? Question? Sure, 
how do we continue to look at the ways that our love is selfish or self-centered if it is so difficult to see? Just experience the difficulty because something occurs and then we experience difficulty. What is happening is not difficult. It's what we think about what's happening or what we presume about what's happening or how we abandon what's happening for what that means, what that means. How often do we say that to ourselves? We have anything negative comes up and it's, what does that mean? What's going to happen next? And this doesn't mean maintain. I say don't maintain anything. Just observe that which needs to be appear as some kind of maintenance will maintain itself. You don't need to maintain wisdom. You don't need to maintain compassion. But you may need to return to it as you understand it conceptually or dynamically or even provisionally. Just return, return, return. This is why we return to the wall. We return to the sutras. We return to the reminders of the Buddha's Dharma from 2,500 years ago. This is still coming this way. Here we are in a, a, a backwater town called the Serial City. You know, a little town with, with hardly any culture at all because the rent is cheap. I was born here. It is funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, how does that add up? <laughs> you move somewhere else, a more interesting place. Like, where? Where would you like to live? I like that question. Some people want to move to Costa Rica just because it sounds pretty good. But everything, nothing lasts. Costa Rica won't last either. No, I'm not. That's not profitizing. Is that called profitizing? Or is that where you make money? Go ahead. Question from Shane in Virginia. Shane, uh, I was hoping somebody else would have a question before Shane. <laughs> Go ahead, Shane. Are love and bliss connected? Love uh, is, uh, as using the love is just so many directions you can go. I would, if you went into compassion or, or a fundamental deep concern for others without them knowing about it, you don't get a credential for this, but a deep concern of, of how others are. And you, you won't have a feeling like, oh, I care so much about others. It's not what I'm talking about. And the idea of bliss, if you're using it in the way bliss is uh, used in the Buddhist teachings, it is not an emotion, particularly. It is, it is a fundamental understanding of what this is. Not An emotion does not need to main, be maintained. And once it is seen, it doesn't go anywhere, no matter how you feel. I sometimes say, I don't care how you feel. Of course, I care deeply how you feel. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want to suffer. I don't want you to suffer. And I am endeavoring with your with your uh, permission to help you see what the root of that is based on what I've understood from my teachers and from the Buddhist teachers down to the centuries, including the Buddha. So there's some relationship there, but it's not one to be tracked down and to lead to further kind of little pamphlets on the nature of bliss and love. Specific questions about are, are good, so I'm, I'm not um, making making light of uh, Shane's questions. Good question. Further questions since we're in that area here in the Zendo. Mundo. Mundo Bowing. Um, what is the difference between desire and love? 
especially in regards to our practice? Um, well, they're they're differentiated, and their our experience of it is, is different, but they're fundamentally not different. Fundamentally not different. We spread them apart by this is okay and that's not okay. This, you follow me a little bit? It seems like desire has grasping. Yeah, and so as all of you heard me say many, many times, it's not about stopping the grasping or not being a grasper. It's about, about being aware of the grasping so that you can see the fundamental underlayment or substrate or even some kind of a source uh, that is not uh, a fundamental source, but some kind of production that is coming out of reaching. And it usually is, we might not see it, it is out of fear. Fear of being, fear of oblivion, simply put, fear of not existing. More? Love and desire both have resting. The That's why I was saying desire for, for something else is a, there's that desire that is there's desi the, the desire to save all beings, which can show up depending on you, depending on the karma that arises in your mind stream or Don's or Shoto's or mine. Uh, it's going to have a different kind of uh, uh, flavor or texture or quality to it, and a different kind of energy. And then it's aligned. I don't want to go off into the distance here too much, but it's aligned. This is why it's things like the Buddha families are named, but to show different ways of working with uh, not only the of passion, aggression, and ignorance, but also with the Four Noble Truths, the way that shows up. Why some people really, if they're going to do this, need to become monks. They need to move into a monastery. Another person can just stay on a hilltop or they can stay in a valley and they can continue to, to work at Walgreens and still train their mind. There's no no right, wrong other way to do it. More about that question if you have it. Goodbye. Um, how can we express our love? practice I would say go slow. Don't do this applies here. Don't do anything unless you have to. And always look at the intention that's happening there. What kind of intention is, what kind of, if it's an expression, what kind of saying or what kind of gesture or what kind of uh, you're receiving and then you're expressing, or making some kind of a gesture. And it would be different with each. There's no like, uh, as far as I know, there's no, we'll do it this way, do it that way. This is why we say over and over again with the, the chanting of sutras and with our personal practice, us re returning to the 16 precepts, which give us a conceptual and uh, even somewhat metaphorical construct for how to continually to move ourselves, return to the Buddha, return to the Dharma, return to the Sangha, return to the teacher return to the the intention to be with all things being with all things starts not with just being okay with a, uh, with a car wreck or with a with the things burning in the oven so much so it could have some import there as far as how how your mind is handling things that come out of nowhere and startle us but it is more about uh Just not not particularly depersonalizing something, but just watching the texture of what is moving, and watch if you reach for it or if you push it away or if you grasp at it, and just watch that. It's about observing the quality of that and and looking at the 
the intention. This is why we have these vows, so you can have a have an intention that you can return to, return to. Because if you, if you just think, well, I'm going to try to help others, I'm going into nursing, or I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a therapist. It's great, you should do that. But the relativity of that is so engaging and so magnetizing that we can take taken into that vortex called material, uh, psychological, spiritual, um, sociological um, uh, materialism, where we're trying to get something. In other words, separating that which actually has no fundamental difference into something that we can do what? Get some kind of control so that the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the narcissistic mind, which in some people is practically invisible. They look so... Um, self-effacing and so kind and so generous, but death comes without warning. And this particular cycle of being a living being comes to an end. And then that which has been shoved down, hidden and pushed away because we're pretty successful at being a kind of a relative success. So why would we be negative? Why would we, sometimes people say, Buddhism is a nihilistic uh, spiritual path. I would just say it's no, it's realistic. If you want to use one of the istic words, that's the one to someone who looked at it deeply. So the, to see the intention and to actually have some kind of uh, what's called relative bodhicitta and even ultimate bodhicitta or the mind of awakening to see that there's something that transcends this world. And you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't even be on here if you didn't have some kind of sense of this yourself. In your own path, it might show up as just meditating and feeling kind of despondent about you just don't understand that the not understanding is is closer to, to wisdom than understanding. It's just that it is, it is supported in its negativity by a self who wants success, doesn't want failure, doesn't want death. Because the belief that we are a body mind complex uh, attaches it tends to reinforce the attachment to death that comes without warning. It will happen to me. I'm going to die or my, the one I care about, my son, my mother, my father passed away. Come to mind, what awakens love? Well, in the transcendent sense of, uh, of uh, uh, a love that completely accepts, you could say accepts, or doesn't, no demand, just a, a complete, um, it's, it's not even particularly an expression. Uh, I don't, it has a mutuality where you can't find the subject and object there. And oh, what, they, uh, what they, the way I would talk about that, I'm sure there are others would might say words, but I, I feel with me, it was uh, meeting the teacher. Without the teacher, there's just the teachings. And I don't mean to minimize the teachings. Read uh, the 30 verses of Vasubandhu a couple hundred times, maybe 500. I think a thousand might be overdoing it, but 500 wouldn't be bad. And contemplate it. Realize that this, these are, this is an understanding of what the Buddha taught in 30 verses that someone in the, the fourth century wrote down and who was extremely, was brilliant was a spiritual genius of the first order, if there is such a thing as orders. Astonishing. You can't, you can't read it 20 times and even understand what it means. So uh, the teacher, me meeting, meeting someone who, who has a connection, 
as they say, warm hand to warm hand. It's not a belief system. So therefore, you won't be asked to believe anything. I'm not saying that there aren't, aren't, aren't uh, uh, orders and uh, organizations and traditions that work, don't work with this in a different way. They couldn't work with this in a way of being more similar to uh, some kind of worshiping of the, you know, the, the Buddha who was just a man who understood something. So some of that, but it seems to be different with each person. Your, your teacher and someone else's teacher, uh, different, you might not even understand. Why would somebody follow uh, Dalai Lama or Thich Nhat Hanh or Pema Chodron, just to mention a few really famous people, why, why did they do that? And other people might be completely enamored of that particular teacher. Not sure why you're over here. What are you doing this for? I've listened to that guy. Is that about? Seems kind of ordinary. You know, any kind of situation. So it's about the chemistry between, between in this case, between you and me or anyone in here and this teacher. And then the chemistry you have. You'll notice that with others, uh, you might not have the chemistry with it with the other person that you have with the teacher, or you might, or you might, or it might be, that's the way you can actually get to know, uh, be with and understand and communicate, cooperate and collaborate with someone that you, out in the so-called world, the relative mundane world of getting ahead and you know, accomplishing things, elbowing your way to the top, so to speak. Not that it would appear that way, my, this that particular person you would not have a chance to interact with them because there would be no chemistry there. Whereas in the in the sangha you actually meet people that you met thousands of years ago. Here we are again, doing this again. I'm not kidding you, and I'm also not asking you to believe anything I say. So you don't believe it. You consider it a little bit. You reflect on it or not. Questions out in uh, the Zoom. Kevin. Kevin, go ahead. When you describe the kind, this kind of chemistry that arises, it seems that the resulting love is dependently arisen. Can you talk about how dependently arisen love uh, is related to uh, sort of self-existing love, like a like loving kindness, bowing? I can uh, certainly can. We have to start somewhere. So we start, and the way I recommend that you start is sit down and look at the wall and look at, at your own self-hatred or hatred of others or difficulty that you're having you're trying to overcome in the relative way and to get rid of it or stop it. Most people without a true spiritual path are trying to get better, improve. I don't teach that. I'm not saying you couldn't have a therapist and try to get better and get get away from certain kinds of issues or problems that you're having, that would be okay to do that. But it's not a spiritual path. And it, it may last for a while. You may have success. So what I would say in response to your questions, we have to start somewhere. We, so we start with the, the, the particular uh, jigsaw puzzle that is our mind. And we look at it and, uh, and you see that you can't put that together. It doesn't have that kind of a, of a structure to it. It has a structure that has the illusion of uh, the possibility of completeness, and that is spiritual materialism. 
So it's the example I sometimes use. It's some. It's like standing on a railroad track. Don't stay there very long because they still have trains. And looking down, and it, the illusion is that the tracks come together of success. Here's the two things that you're working with, and then there's success. Well, they never come together. That's the very nature of a relative truth. It just goes on and on and on, and it's why it's uh, circular. It looks like getting better, getting better, getting worse, getting worse, getting better, getting better, night and day, night and day, up and down, back and forth. It is, uh, we're just uh, uh, transients in that sense. So to come back to your question, we, we need some kind of a structure to work with. And we have in our situation, we have the, the Buddha is the example of someone who is sane. And when I say sane, I mean, they don't fight with anything. No more war with anything. It doesn't mean they don't have any anger. The, the anger doesn't come through the mind stream. So I'm not saying there's some kind of a perfected being like sometimes it's taught through different schools of the Buddha's Dharma. Just not taught here. Further, Kevin? Uh, Kevin Bowing. So sometimes in relative terms, the chemistry that arises between two people gives the experience of love. What's happening when the chemistry between two people gives the experience of what we call unrequited love? And how do we work with that, Bowing? Yeah. Uh, it was a painful situation, of course. Um, so the, the, the belief in a self and the, the imputation that I am somebody who loves someone and that, and that someone is coming back and being friendly and, and so on to just kind of flesh out a story here. And then they just don't, you know, they don't have any interest in you. You have this deep, uh, concern, deep yearning for uh, the compliment to what you're feeling. Why, why isn't there some other part to this? And the causes and conditions that bring about your situation, which seems so personal, like I'm the one who's feeling this, and what's happening with the other person who is being, uh, who is meeting you, but enough to to that your love for them can be stirred, so that penetrative origination happens there. But then, then they go, as you say, unrequited. They go another direction. They might be polite, but it still hurts, and they go another direction, and you are hurt or crushed. It's just, uh, and I don't mean to make light of it, because it's horribly painful to go through there, go through that uh, kind of a passage. And what I would say regarding, uh, relating to that from the point of view of this practice, it's just part of dependent origination. It really isn't anything personal, but it just feels really, really personal. And the downside of that is how it feels. It sucks. And the upside of it, it helps you see the self-centered, that self-net, self centeredness that wants something else. Second noble truth of the Buddha. The first one is life is suffering or frustration or discontent. And why? Whatever shows up, we don't want that. Even if it's what, even if it's our heart's desire, it's not quite pink enough. And it should have some blue stripes in it. It's like that never really satisfied uh, situation. And then when we, if we do have a feeling of the, to use the word satisfied, doesn't last because nothing that is compounded lasts. Uh, from a drop of water falling, it's compounded. It breaks up into parts. And then the other thing that is compounded that also doesn't last is uh, the Rocky Mountains or any mountains. They're, they're there for a long time, but time is a 
It's a relative situation when it comes to the spiritual path. There is no time. That's an illusion, past and future, or an illusion. But they're relatively very real, and you should pay attention to them, or you're going to miss your bus. So like I think Trunk Rinpoche said, you know, uh, we, enlightenment isn't some kind of oblivion to the self where you suddenly need an enlightenment ward. I think he used it where people who were enlightened had to be somehow taken care of because they might wander into the street or try to eat broken glass or something because all things are one, nothing is separate and all that baloney. That's a total misunderstanding of transcendence and of relative and absolute truth. What is an understanding of it? Two things. I'll say one very, uh, both both very definitely. One of them is mind your own business, and the other one is mind your own business. But that's it's not that highfalutin an expression. We always hear that all the time. But I'm saying it in the sense of the spiritual path. Mind your own business. Goes on, go ahead. Um, there's a question in the chat box. And it says, from Jeanette, can you can you hear me? Yes, Jeanette. Um, uh, can you speak of divine love, in quotes, that is the energy of being that has no subject and no object? Yeah, so. I can. It's, it's, uh, it's not an experience. There's no one to experience it, and it transcends all relativity. And even to say transcends is a little bit uh, puffy. And I'm, I'm using your description of it, and I'm using uh, my uh, uh, definition insofar as there is one. It's, it's not an emotion. If you had that emotion, you would not be able to stay embodied. You would blow apart, or you would vanish, or your body would go up in flames. Literally. Perhaps flames aren't always literal. Anything more, Jeanette? She might have a trailer. Is this the Jeanette I'm thinking it is? Because I'm bowing. She says, uh, maybe from Daniel and Jeanette to everyone, thank you. That's what I thought. It was the, it was the, teaming up there. Bowing. I have a question kind of along that line. The love, the love that you are pointing towards, does that have any opposite? No. It does insofar as I can point to it. So, so anything you talk about will be more than delighted to move into relative truth so you can make a commentary. But it has no, has no uh, existence there. It doesn't fundamentally exists. If it exists, then it's going down. It's going to go away. Awakening, the realization of the truth of the truth does not go away because it has not appeared. You've just stopped putting garbage on top of it out of fear. Goes on bowing. Oh. The um Trump uh, uses the term basic goodness sometimes. Yes. And you refer to that. How does that relate to love? So my understanding of that, it's just a, it's just a way uh, to, uh, to 
to relate to the, the fundamental nature of consciousness. It doesn't have any preferences. Fundamental nature. It's just, it's just uh, um, the other word he used was authentic presence. Just, it's just here. The other one that I use uh, and he used to is just pure appearance. It's, there's no agenda. There's no past. There's no future. It just disappears. It, it appears. It's like a dream, like a brick wall in a dream and a brick wall uh, in your waking state. Not separate. They look like it. It's called ordinary magic. That's another one of his phrases. He was very good at, uh, even though he, this was a, a new language for him. Uh, he's very, very good at using it. More about that? Kozan? Kozan Bowing, is awareness all of those things? Awareness is the path. So the path is to be aware of the mo what is moving. Uh, realization is, you can use a word of awareness, there's no necessity for anything. There isn't anything. Realiza realization has, <clears throat> doesn't, doesn't hold up to description particularly. When I say hold up, I mean, that's because it isn't anything in particular. It's not even the teaching of shunyata or emptiness. That's also path. That's seeing, that's seeing things that are empty of what, they, what you thought they were. So then you get to have an, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that that scowl on your face uh, wasn't about me, that you hate my guts or what I said to you yesterday. You actually have heartburn. So it's empty of what of your, it's a very simple example, but it's pretty extensive and happens everywhere. We misunderstand not only what's happening out here, but what is happening in our minds. Junchu. A couple questions from YouTube. The first from Raphael in New York. Is self-love something that needs to be developed or is it something that arises naturally as the practice unfolds? I'm not interested in your or questions. So uh, you're kind of saying those are the only two, two uh, things I can say. And I would rather say uh, uh, neither one of those. Self-love is not, I don't, I don't teach self-love or promote those particular concepts. I'm not saying they're wrong and that other teachers might not use the self-love thing to fundamentally help people not suffer. I don't use that particularly. Question from Tyler in San Diego. Yes. If dating, will it be harmful to our practice to date, to date those without mind training? Uh, again, so very situational. If you're saying dating, then I would say, I think so. Um, that would that would be locking too much down on that, too too specific. So because some people have a great amount of mind training, uh, and I've met a few. I'm 80, so I'm old. I've met a lot of people who think they're awake, who've had a lot of mind training, and are just as crazy. I'm not saying as they were when they started, I can't say that, but they're just as crazy as some people who have no mind training at all. And some people have no mind training at all are incredibly just naturally sane, just naturally. I'm not saying they're realized. They still function with a kind of a self-centeredness, but it's a, it's a basically kind, basically caring, caring for others in a relative way. Death will still come without warning to those. Death will still might be kind of a shock that, oh, 
I think who I am is going to go away. And that's the, the identity with a body-mind complex. That's the basic uh, misunderstanding. But uh, some people with no mind training at all, quite often people with that don't have any particular difficult issues. You know, they have some, but not only, they're not going to come this direction. You won't be in this area here unless you've had some really difficult <laughs> challenges in your mind training. That's what brings you to something other than a therapist or other than, or besides a therapist. A question from Yarkus. Spell that, please. B-J-A-R-K-U-S. Okay. Why do so many people in the Zen subreddit call Dogen a cult leader, a fraud, and say sitting meditation has never been a part of Zen? I don't get it. Well, everybody's going to think stuff. I mean, people say stuff about me and about Dogen, and, and you know, you might want to look at who's saying it. <laughs> And their, and their intention. People, people are so incredibly uh, insane that they will, in order to, so they feel okay, they will attack others. You see it everywhere. It's in, it's in politics, it's in the spiritual, so-called spiritual path. It's all they will attack, others. they will get their own credential by finger pointing. I, I probably do some of it too, somewhat. I don't, maybe. I try not to make fun of others' confusion. Stay away from Go ahead, please. Question from Robert in Kalamazoo. Robert, Robert Zweitek. As I look toward the mutuality of love, the notion of fundamental justice comes up. Is there a relationship that can be received? Well, it's a little bit convoluted, uh, Robert, as uh, I could tell that's Robert's question. <laughs> so let me uh, approach part of it. The, what was the last part of it? Because that's the part I want to approach. Uh, should I just read the whole thing again? Yeah, go ahead. As I look toward the mutuality of love, the notion of fundamental justice comes up. Uh, Is there a relationship that can be received? Okay, so fundamental justice is uh, invisible. If you can see justice happening, I'm not saying it's, it isn't happening, but it's relative. It's relative. As the, what is the scales? The, the, you know, what are the crazy acknowledgement of ignorance? Let's make a scales, but let's blindfold ourselves so we can't see what the, see what the scale says. Isn't that what the thing is? It's scales, but it, uh, there's the scales, but we're not going to look at it. It's, it's a high level, highly polished level of insanity. Thinking that you can actually find out who's wrong and blame them. And not only that, but actually punish them, torture them when you're actually torturing yourself. It's like, it's just a, I'm not saying it isn't somewhat workable. You have to have things like the constitution, which people don't follow. You need some kind of a structure for society. Since we don't have the spiritual path, we don't have the uh, the guidance of a, a spiritual leader. And even when we do, sometimes that spiritual leader just takes over and becomes uh, crazy, becomes another, just another oligarch and can go the other. It's always relative. You have to do this yourself. You can use the teaching of the Buddha's Dharma. You can use Dogen. You can use 
uh, all kinds of forms of, you have to realize this. If you realize this, you may, you may need help from me, you may not. But I would say, realize there's nothing to believe. If you start believing this or disbelieving that, you're just, you just might as well be back on the, uh, the example I often give as, a, as the Coney Island of the mind. You're just back on one merry-go-round after another and validating each one. This one's pretty good. I notice that when I come around, I can actually see how much truth there is to this and how much not a, not a good uh, uh, move at all on the spiritual path. And on the mundane path, it's still circular. The thing about a circle is if you're on it, it looks like a straight line. It's only when you look at the entirety of that, you see that it's cycles of the moon in your mind. Another question from Tyler in San Diego. Yes. What is the instructions on gaze when sitting? Gay people? Sorry. I, I can't help. Sometimes I, I just get a little bored over here. Yeah. And I hear something, I think, oh, there's an opportunity there to say something silly. So with all due respect to LGBTQ, it's not meant to be harmful to anyone. Can I ask the question again? <laughs> what is the instruction on gaze when sitting? Yeah, gaze at the wall. Sit down, gaze at the wall. I think a few people are just not getting them. <laughs> attempted, attempted human gaze. So gaze at the wall, look at the, not stare. I don't use the word stare. Or I use, I use gaze because a gaze is kind of a casual re receiving. When you're gazing at something, you're, you're gazing. You're not doing much other than you're, you're attending to what is showing up uh, in, the, in the mind stream through the visual consciousness. You're looking at the wall and you're just gazing. So relax into that. As the story goes of Bodhidharma, who brought, brought the Buddha's Dharma to uh, China from, from India back in, uh, I think it was in the seventh century. Uh, the, as the story goes, he sat down in front of a wall for nine years. That's some block sitting, isn't it? Nine years. And, uh, and they said that he cut out his eyelids so he wouldn't close his eyes. And all he all that is is telling you don't close your eyes and then actually cut out his eyes we have different ways of saying this so look at the wall so you can blink you have eyelids so it's not about removing uh, your eyelids so much as sit down and just observe that's the emphasis there just observe at what's coming forward what's apparently coming to you just observe it and if you can don't add anything to it no comment no interpretation no comment, no, no commentary, no elaboration on whatever is moving. And by taking uh, that to heart, so to speak, uh, you'll also notice that you can't quite not do that. But in, by, by endeavoring to do that, you'll notice your knee-jerk reaction to cover something up, cover something up, move it this way. Something arises, and I don't like that. Uh, that could be aggression. Or something arises, and we want to distract ourselves into something else. We're looking at the wall, something... Something shows up that doesn't feel so good and we'll change our gaze on the wall. We'll look at a crack over here or a, dis or a discontinuity in the shape of the, the texture of the wall over here. Distraction. There's anything to move us away from something that we don't want rather than just receive. If, if it shows up in your mind stream, 
you have it coming, not you personally, not your ego mind, but the, the karma that brought you into this world and gave you blue eyes uh, or uh, a tall stature or all the other things that are relatively showing up. It's part of that. It's part of that whole, that whole situation of passion, aggression, ignorance, grasping, rejecting, shutting down. Just observe. Get to know yourself and uh, see if that is actually a self that you're getting to know. Kevin Bowing. Yes, sir. You mean all this time when you've talked about a soft, receptive gaze that you weren't talking about me? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. you win. <laughs> you got it. That's that's definitely fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I think I might have been. <laughs> yeah. That's a very sweet and very true comment, my friend. <laughs> you didn't know that about yourself until people started telling you that, though, did you? Yeah. I'm saying you're such a sweet gay guy. Really Receptive gay. Huh. A soft, receptive gay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got it. <laughs> well, we're working on that one. <laughs> Further questions? Yeah. Another question from Robert. Yes, Robert. Zweitek or Walker? Zweitek. What about justice without the notion of time or space? Well, there wouldn't be any using it in the conventional sense, justice like this happens, that happens. We need to have justice. I mean, we use it in the conventional sense. It's a relative term that tends to blame and uh, and praise. So it tends to, I'm not trying to get rid of that. I'm just saying, bring a lot of awareness into that. So the fundamental understanding is has as little uh, blame or praise as possible and still takes care of people. It's, it's, you know, having spent 20 years going into uh, federal prisons and the uh, Michigan Department Department of Corrections here in the state of Michigan, uh, it's a it's a terrible mess of so-called justice. People locked up disproportionately black and brown people, of course. And it's, it's it's difficult. It's, it's it's hard to know to see that. And to go in there and trying to teach a meditation practice to people to help them, but where they're at, to actually see where they're at is if you back up, maybe we should get some attorneys to work on this to change the structure of it. Because to go in and talk to somebody, take glasses of water to somebody in a burning house, you know, you might want to look at the burning house. So even though we still do that, we I, we even send in some of my uh, uh, Dharma talks, teaching videos into. MDOC, Michigan Department of Corrections, to try to help people who are in that. But it's a, it's a big, uh, it's samsara. It's a big, huge, difficult situation. You can't just, just by voting. It's the circularity of the politics. The politics of experience are extremely there as a, uh, what is the, uh, the Vajrayana Ursul Ursul Tenzin, I think he probably ripped it off from somebody else, but he said, um, you know, "Samsara is notorious for being without end." That's why they call it samsara. It's a circle. 
and you can't really get off from, from it because it's circular and it's still something you just get into another circle. But you can see what it is and see that it is unreal and therefore the, the attachment that is that is coming out of greed, the attachment is coming out of fear and the attachment of this coming out of some kind of need to fundamentally control or shut something down or fluff something up, shut something off, that starts to begins to uh, lessen. It might not go away because it is illusory and it does not have to go away. That's why it's so difficult because you can practice this for 30, 40, 50 years and still be put upon by highly intense negative feelings. And unless you have some deep understanding of what this is, unless you've had some help from a master, I'm making no claims, but I had one, I had a couple of them and were able to show me what this was by pointing to it. The, my part of it was to look at what they pointed at, not to look elsewhere or make assumptions about what they were pointing at. I'm not going to get rid of anything. Everything is perfect. If you think or feel otherwise, then continue to spend. And when we use the relative term perfect, has to be understood what's being said there. What's being said fundamentally is it's not separate. Just using a relative term to help you uh, unpack your bags. Shoka. Shoka When something is arising or happening and we have a response like this is difficult, what is being covered up or ignored by that kind of a, a naming of it? It's not much just to say that you're having a difficult time, say this is difficult somewhat, but still it's not something you necessarily need to stop doing. You don't need to stop. When I say don't, don't elaborate, don't, don't, don't. I know you can't necessarily do that because uh, uh, out of respect for your uh, life, your dependent origination, your karma, your style of, of, of buying into or, re or reducing or expanding the, the, the three uh, poisons are all the other things that can show up in terms of hope and fear and the way your particular structure of self-centeredness is operating in terms of what's showing up in your life that you are pushing, grasping at, shutting down on. That's why you're wearing a robe. It's because that we're trying to do that on your own and my explanation, not yours, thought you might need some help for that. That's how I got, that's how I met uh, my teacher. Something that we're being encouraged to do in the community is to have interviews with each other and to yeah. interact with one another. Yes. So how do we continue to, what does it mean to receive when there's still that kind of reflection going on? Same thing, just receive. Receive uh, what the person you're having a face to face with and receive what's right rising in your own mind stream without and no elaborations. Don't turn it into, it's because of them I'm feeling this. Uh, I'm feeling this because they're uh, an evil bad person who might smile and look really nice, but deep down they're, they're some kind of a demon. And I don't care how many past lives you had with the person, they're past lives. This is right now. 
transcend it now. Don't use the past life in the 13th century to validate, justify that just because you murdered each other a few centuries ago. It's, it's a dream. It's like the dream you had. It's like a nightmare. Only this is, is fundamentally real and it's suspect. Fundamentally real, suspect. More, <laughs> less, less Paul and Mary Ford. Everything shows up over here. How about over there? There's no plan. There's no plan. There's no intention other than uh, save all beings. You guys are all beings, and I'm working on you. Probably didn't feel like it. That guy hasn't done anything for me at all. Further questions? Wulong bowing. <clears throat> Go ahead, Wulong. Um, in the in the context of uh, relating to others, to loved ones, and to work, um, the sense of unfulfilled and dissatisfaction most of the time gets thrown into the pile of you know you're not seeing what you're not seeing what is, or fighting with reality. Or um, I'm wondering if is there a wisdom aspect to unfulfilled and dissatisfaction? Yeah, the very nature, the relative nature of wisdom is unfulfilled. That's why it's a, a one disappointment after the other till the final disappointment, which is awakening itself. It's very disappointing from the point of view of ego. Extremely discouraging. But ego doesn't go away because ego wasn't real in the first place. So even the discouragement is illusory. But it's still there. It's still an emotion, still a feeling. Just, just more? Bowing. So is disappointment absolutely necessary in? In what? In that? I don't know how to finish that sentence. Mm, put a period on it. Period. Yeah, period. Period, period. <laughs> yeah, period, period. So it's uh, uh, nothing is absolutely required. So when you say absolutely necessary, I'm taking those pretty lit literally. And I would say, nah. It's, it's so complicated and varied that we tend to put things together uh, as you're over there, I'm over here, we're in a monastery, and we use the materiality to give us some kind of a container to even do anything at all. So you're the container that you're in within a relationship when someone is filling that in with blaming you or, or taking some kind of a stand of, of otherness, like, well, if you hadn't said this, then I would be feeling this and feel it. it's just a it's just a struggle that goes on between uh that which looks uh, real but it's not it's 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 definitely risen and it's a it's just uh ego self-centeredness narcissism the incessant grasping at someone who wants something else to go away or wants something else to hang around or wants something else to stop bothering me or to be different to change to be right instead of being wrong just receive, just, just look at it. Don't correct it. Don't fix it. Don't take it to the, don't take it to the bank. Don't do anything with it. Just notice that if anything that shows up, if you do nothing with it, it starts to collapse because the very nature of relative truth is it needs to be pushed to, to last or pulled to have any duration or to be shut down on to be a mountain for 3 million years. It's happening everywhere 
in, in the form of occurrences. And it's not happening uh, anywhere in the form of ultimate truth. Wulong bowing. There's, there's a term uh, divine dissatisfaction in, I've heard it in the art uh, realm that, that talks about, it refers to uh, the push to go deeper into something rather than just see the dissatisfaction, the lack of. And I'm wondering how to practice that in, the, in our relations, bowing. Watch what moves in your mind stream or what you think is happening, what you think about what people are thinking. If you think about what people are thinking about what you're thinking about what they're thinking, that kind of thing, just watch that. Don't add, subtract, divide if you can help it. But if you do add or subtract or divide or judge, then just observe that. Keep it as simple as possible. And you can do that through the sitting practice of meditation, which allows you to, through a practice, uh, using the whole sensorium, the whole body-mind complex, you sit down and you hold still, sit in a symmetrical position. Don't maintain it, but hold as still as you can without being uh, macho about it. And then watch what moves. And this will, you could say, is just a way of saying it. It's not necessarily happening in, in the relative sense. But you're training, you're reprioritizing what happens in the consciousness to more receive or observe what's happening rather than produce. Consciousness is able to, you know, ears don't produce a sound, they receive. The nose doesn't produce a fragrance, it receives. And I can go on and on, you already know about the first five. But the, but the mind, because of its uh, incredibly elaborate nature, uh, that consciousness is actually showing up as uh, receiving and, uh, and producing uh, sounds, smells, tastes, memories, speculations, elaborations, condemnations, judgments, opinions, on and on and on, beliefs, that just observe that. It's, it's like you've, you've moved uh, away from the, the Coney Island of the mind, the merry-go-rounds, the Ferris wheels, the tilt of whirls, and all the circularity of that, uh, away from the faces of the moon into just looking at the entirety of it. And you won't see anything. So it isn't like you will get uh, some kind of credential for, oh, uh, now I have a bird's eye view. No, not particularly. You won't know that. What you will notice is the circularity is, is uh, dying out. And that can show up. Uh, uh, initially, it shows up as boredom. But then eventually, it just shows up as a lot of space. And the, the understanding of the space uh, is starts to become not concerned whether there's anything moving in it or not, but if something moves in it, it sees it. The space acknowledges that something is moving. It may not know what it is, but it doesn't need to know its identity in the relative sense. You don't need to know that pain and pleasure are uh, the same or that they're two different things. Can't have pain without pleasure. They, they need that polarity to manifest as their particular particularity. And it's it's so incredibly vast and extensive that you there's no real estate there. You can't find any way to get any kind of purchase on what that is. And why can't you do that? Because it's not out there. It's this. You are that. You are what you're looking for. Probably have heard me say that 15 times. 
and it won't be a success story. It's not, it's not materialism, particularly. You could even say it's not even, wouldn't even live up to common, ordinary speculation about spirituality. You have to have some kind of a name. Is this what the Buddha saw? I don't know. Look, kind of looks like it. People are looking at their watches, so. It goes on by. Um, Go ahead, please. Maria's had a question in the chat box for a while. Um, she asks, if divine love does not have any opposite, does it mean that there is nothing but love? Well, it's a little corny, but yeah, there's anything but that. Even hatred is love. Even a volcano is as cool as it's going to be. Even, uh, uh, even a, a Wim Hofer is burning up. You know what a Wim Hofer is. <laughs> Look it up. Or don't. Forget it. So the polarities, it's the polarities. Isn't it astonishing how magnetized we are by this and that and up and down? <clears throat> Dogen was full of it or whatever that was said. You know, uh, just people love uh, entertainment. They are looking for the right, uh, the right kind of ride. Uh, right, you know. Should I go on the Ferris wheel or should I go on bumper cars? I'd say bumper cars are better than that because at least you're not going in circles. Well, I guess you are too. But they're, they're about running into something and backing up and running into somebody else deliberately. Remember how much fun that was? <laughs> boing, boing, boing. It's like a, a padded aggression. It's like uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, they gave you something called pugil sticks and they were big, it's, they were in the place of uh, a rifle with a bayonet on it, which is that's what the practice was. They had big padded things on it. They still hurt like hell. And somebody batted you in the head with that. It was very difficult. I, uh, I also lost. <laughs> I was not very, not very good at hand to hand combat. Yes. A few last questions from YouTube. Yes, please. Uh, follow up from Tyler. Yes. So if my gaze goes fuzzy and I lose the contours of objects, is that keeping my sense fields open? You don't have to keep keep your sense fields open. So first of all, let's go to that one. It doesn't matter what happens. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not dismissing it, but I'm saying it doesn't matter from the point of view of, uh, of awareness practice. Here's what matters from, from my perspective. There's a lot of teachings out there and you can go on YouTube and spend the rest of your life watching teachings instead of practicing. But if you're listening to me, then you might want to try this for a year. Probably a young person. Maybe not. Makes no difference. Sit down, hold still. Sit in a symmetrical posture. This is the one I recommend with your this cosmic mudra. You can also put in your hands on your knees. Just don't move them around much. You can get a stick and hold it in your hand. Sit down, hold still. You put something in front of you that was nothing is happening and there's a space between you and that and whatever occurs even if it's what you just described is tyler right uh, tyler even what you just described that is meditation you just have to do a lot of it an hour a day it's not going to get it i mean when i say get it yeah it can help you you can calm down but to go deeply into the nature of your mind it's going to take a lot of work it's going to take a lot of sitting uh, one of the practices that 
kind of came up with, nothing particularly new, just a lot of sitting, but it's called block sitting. It's a four hour block uh, of sitting where you uh, sit down and uh, you start at whenever, six in the morning, go till 10 or with the monastery every Thursday from uh, seven to 11, there's a block set that is done and it's a Zoom. You can actually watch other people block set. All you see is the, their backs, they're looking at a wall. But that would allow you to do that with others if you were interested in it. Not promoting it, that's up to you. But holding still and watching what moves with uh, what you're adding on is a commentary and a discursive thought around what it is. It is not living up to your idea of what meditation would be like. Very common for meditators, especially in the first 10 years of meditation. And yes, I have a lot of experience. I'm able to, I can't say what everybody's been dealing with, but I've been teaching meditation since 1978 when I was trained by the Vigyatra. Question from Yarkis again. No. What do you think of self-inquiry? If you're talking about uh, Ramana Maharshi's uh, Atma Vichara, uh, who's thinking, uh, I'm thinking, who, who am I? Uh, it's me, me, myself, and I. Who is me, myself, and I? That kind of repetitive going into that. I think that's valuable. And I think you could uh, think that would be up to you if you wanted to do self-inquiry. That's uh, other people taught that besides Ramana. So trying to find the, the, the identity uh, if you're asking me what I think of that, I don't directly teach it, but I do on occasion teach it individually to people, but dependent on situational, depending on what they're bringing to me. Usually these are people who have been sitting for years and have spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours in sitting, sitting meditation, chicken out. It's very difficult to do that to begin with, and I, it might even be impossible to do it without a teacher. Uh, Ramana, who, Ramana Maharshi taught that, uh, excuse me, when he was 18, uh, came in from a soft a ball game of some kind, as I remember the story, uh, fell down on the floor and died to his personal self. Got up and went into a cave for 20 years. No one told him to do anything. <clears throat> he went to Turbanamalai, sat there in the after, and people fed him because in that country, there's a support for people on a spiritual path, a true spiritual path a few places that that uh, was held up. Probably still the case, get fed. And that's one of the ways that he would uh, teach is find out, find out who this is. Who is this? Who, who speaks? Who, whose hand is moving? Who is it? Is there someone? Is there someone here? Is there an identity behind all of this thinking, uh, speculating, processing, loving, hating? So that's what I think about. It's very nice. Do a lot of it. Are we at the end of our soldier? Yeah. You know, time to do something else. She doesn't know. Yes. One last question. One last question, and then we'll do something else. Go ahead. From Marco. Are illusory or Maya love and Dharma love not separate? Say that one more time, please. Are illusory or Maya love and Dharma love not separate? No, they're not separate. They can be separated 
but usually there's some kind of struggle or warfare going on that fuels uh, ego. Not separate, but it has to be seen that way and not just a concept that we can, we can uh, return to that as some kind of substance to give us a reference point about it. it has to actually be seen. Not separate. Nothing is separate from anything, but incredibly separated. Look at all of us, we're all separated. But fundamentally, we're not separate. Realize it. You can realize it by looking at the apparent separation. Okay, we'll dedicate the merit for the day. Thank you for coming. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Sanchi. The ten directions of the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna, Paramita. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.